eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, October 14th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Mr. Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Jay Book, a lot to get into. Let's start with the great news. Man, Damon Wilson, five-star defensive end. First, we got the Fong bomb, and then Dean was dropping dimes. Uh, so we got Steve Wiltfong, his crystal ball, to Damon Wilson to Ohio State yesterday, and then Bill Curlick did the same thing. Lock it up. I mean, Dave, I was so hyped up. (laughs) I I couldn't believe it. Like, I was just joking. I threw it out on Twitter yesterday. I was like, can we get a phone bomb for David Wilson? And several hours later, (laughs) the wish came true. And, uh, you know, there there was a lot of momentum with Georgia, obviously, taking that official visit. You knew that Georgia was going to, you know, roll out the red carpet for him and make some type of surge. All indications early on in that recruitment was Ohio State was leading going into that Georgia recruitment. And then, you know, 24-7, Rusty Menzel had thought that uh, Georgia had overtaken Ohio State. So it kind of caught a lot of the Georgia fans on their board off guard when Fong threw that crystal ball out. And, Dave, you know Bill Curlick has been in, in this industry for many, many years, and he's typically conservative when it comes to his crystal balls. He usually throws them out once he really feels good about a prospect, uh, so right now, as things go, you know, it looks like Ryan Day and Larry Johnson, when they went down there this week to visit him, I think they probably went down there and closed the deal. So he, he to me, Dave, is out of all of the pass rushers that they're going after with him and uh, uh, Mateo and Keon Keeley, I think Damon Wilson has the most potent first step to get off. He's one of those type of guys that you look at and – He's your Chase Young type of defensive end that's really going to be able to bend. He's flexible. He's explosive. He's strong. I I would be very, very happy to see this guy in Jim Knowles' defense because I think he brings an element of pass rush that 
It's very hard to do. It's very hard to get those type of kids. And being able to pull him out of Florida will be a major recruiting feather for Ryan Day and Larry Johnson. Heck yeah, I'm here for it. All right, let's jump ahead. I was going to ask you about this later, but you mentioned these two young men. Now, um, Keon Keeley, it sounds like he's he's Bama bound. Steve, speaking of, of the Fong, Fong says nothing that he's heard would make him uh, move his crystal ball off Alabama right now. So it sounds like sounds like the Buckeyes are a dark horse for Keon Keeley. Um, I'm going to get your thoughts on that. And also Mateo, there's no crystal balls in for Mateo, so it's wide open for him. Uh, where do you, where, how do you feel about Mateo, and what about Keon Keeley? Yeah, Keeley, I'm convinced he's going to Alabama, Dave, unless there's anything that says otherwise. He had that official visit there. His his mother, his uncle, they spent that personal time down at Nick Saban's house, went out on the boat with him in Lake Tuscaloosa or whatever it's called. So I just think that Keeley at that point is pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered to Alabama unless something changes. Um, I could be wrong, but that's just the all the tea leaves reading it. Everyone is pretty much saying that he's a lock to go to Alabama at this time. When it comes to Mateo, he's really quiet when it comes to his recruitment. I know Big Dave and, and Mateo really enjoyed Ohio State. They were able to make it out there a couple times. At, at first, I thought it was going to be a U.S. Uh, an Ohio State versus an Oregon battle. Now that USC is showing some type of life in their program, I think USC is squarely in the mix there. Uh, with him being interested in music, USC does provide something that some of those other schools may not be able to provide to him when it comes to uh, a major when he's looking to really get into specific music majors that USC is able to provide to him. So I, I do think Ohio State potentially is right there neck and neck with those other schools. Would I be surprised if he stays home? No, but that one I feel much more better about potentially being a Buckeye than I do Keon Keeley. We'll get to some Ohio State football topics other than recruiting in a moment, but uh, I want to touch on uh, a lot of recruiting with all the recruiting news that's going on. All right, I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Ohio State wide receiver commit Carnell Tate is going to visit Tennessee tomorrow uh, for the Alabama game, but he's going to take his official visit to Ohio State next week. He hasn't taken his official visit yet, so that's good. He, and he's really the only big name that's coming in um, for that Iowa game, so they can put all the attention on him. Um what are your thoughts on this? Do you have any level of concern here with Carnell Tate, or are you pretty convinced he's going to be a Buckeye in the end? I'm convinced he's going to be a Buckeye, Dave. I, I know Carnell has told people, um, yes, I'm going to go visit and check out this game. It's going to be an awesome game, going to be an awesome atmosphere, but he plans to sign with uh, Ohio State. So I think having that official visit to Ohio State the next week is critical here. So I'm not worried about Carnell Tate at all. I think in the end, he'll be uh, a Buckeye come signing day. All right. This is a young man who's jumped uh, out of nowhere, really. Arian Carter. Um, he was uh, committed to Memphis. In fact, he still is technically verbally committed to Memphis, a linebacker out of uh, Tennessee. Um, he won't be committed to Memphis for long. Alabama's the leader, according to Dean on the show yesterday with Dan Rubin and Mark Porter. Uh, the Dean mentioned that uh, Arian Carter, Bama leads, shockingly, right, JB? Um, but Ohio State's very much in the mix. He's going to make his official visit to Ohio State for the Indiana game. Um, Tennessee's also in the mix. Fast riser here. What do you think? I don't like hearing Bama's in the lead, though. That usually tells me not going to work out well for the Buckeyes. <laughs> Yeah, if Bama's in the league off rip, then it's going to be uh, an uphill battle here. But this kid right here, he he's one of those type of prospects to where he blew up late. Um, I know that he had uh, 
went to Ohio State camp and he really stood out at the time when he looked when he performed at the Ohio State camp. But if you look at him, Dave, he is physically impressive. I mean, my goodness. Um, I'm surprised that it took him this long to actually blow up. But once you start getting the big boys jumping in there, when you have LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee, you know, all coming in here late, you know that this is a kid that has really is a late blossom. But the thing is, like you said, Alabama with the with the lead right now, I'm sure he's going to get the red carpet treatment. My question is, is how many kids is Alabama going to take? I mean, they're in on so many guys. They almost have a full class right now. They probably have, you know, another five or six guys that they're leading for, like high-end five-star guys that they may snag. Like, what, what's their class size, 30, 35 kids? I mean, my goodness, with the transfer portal right now, it's almost like, hey, over-signing is, an, is a must because you never know when you're going to lose kids. But I just think that, uh, the way Alabama recruits right now, if they're leading for a guy, it's going to be really tough. No doubt about it. All right, I want to get into this. I found this discussion really interesting on yesterday's show. They were taking so many questions, Mark Porter and, and Bill Curlick and Dan. Um, they didn't really del- – I mean, they talked about it a lot, but I want to really get into this. Um, should there be spring high school football in the state of Ohio? And uh, really the question that was asked to Mark Porter and Bill Curlick was, um, you know, does it stunt the development of Ohio high school football players? And Mark Porter said in no uncertain terms, yes, it does. And he was talking about even his own son as a quarterback was able to play seven on seven teams and everything until he gets to seventh grade. And then because you're technically an OSHA at that point, even though you're a middle schooler, you can't do that anymore. You can't have the seven on seven teams. And he says it does hold them back. Um, Here's the debate, though, Jay Book. Um, This is where it gets interesting. So you have a lot of Ohio high school football coaches that don't want it. You have a lot that do. But you have a lot that don't because they don't want it to turn into – AAU basketball, where they feel like it's completely out of control. Ohio high school basketball coaches do not like the AAU stuff. Um, And Ohio high school football coaches are concerned it would be like that with the seven-on-seven teams in the spring and all that. There's got to be a happy medium, though, in my opinion. You played high school football in Ohio. Get into all of that. A lot to unpack. How much does it hurt the development of Ohio high school football players? And is there a way to, like, kind of bridge the gap here where, you know, where it doesn't have to be like AAU basketball, where you can get the Ohio high school football coaches on board with this. A lot to unpack there, I know, but go ahead, JB. I definitely think Ohio high school needs to have spring football. I think they're way behind the times. Um, I I do believe that it does stunt the growth of those players. Even uh, Ohio State coaches have said it. They said that they get a better evaluation of kids who are able to participate in spring ball. Being able to go and watch a kid perform in the spring has been critical with Ohio State being able to identify certain players down south that will be able to fit them. Now, don't get me wrong. I truly believe when it comes to coaching and fundamentals and top-tier coaching, Ohio high school football is second to none. But I do believe that what you see a lot of times is a lot of kids are missing the opportunity to really go play some big time football because their their growth in the development is later down the line. So that you're starting and I, I truly believe it will help the Mac schools, Dave, if there was Ohio high school football, because now if the if you're able to go ahead and identify some of these players who may be fringe FCS players, you can start getting a better idea of what you know, what caliber of talent you're actually dealing with in Ohio high school football. 
Um, and I understand some of those coaches, they don't want AAU type of atmosphere, but just being out here in Arizona, seeing the development, the spring ball that these guys have, like, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with spending two weeks just going out there and doing seven on seven. I, I don't understand what the, what the holdup is. I know some people say, oh, you're taking away from other sports or something like that, but don't make it mandatory. Like if you want to come and participate in seven on sevens, then I don't see how that will hurt any other sports or really create some type of AAU environment. I mean, right now you're seeing it and all the surrounding states of Ohio, and they're successfully doing it. Like even in Kentucky, they have spring ball uh, for, for their kids. You, even Indiana has spring ball mm. for their kids. So it's not like Ohio is is doing something that hasn't been done already. Look at those other schools who've created a successful blueprint and kind of mirror what they're actually doing. Exactly. We had, and I, you mentioned something that I'm, I want to touch on. I'm so glad you mentioned the uh, the other spring sports. We're going to touch on that because that's a part of this equation too. Scott on YouTube saying, comparing Ohio's spring football perspective to the NCAA's past views on NIL, and the inevitable outcome is clear. That's right. They're eventually going to have it. It's just, they're just kicking the, the can down the road. I'll compare it to this too. It was like for years there, there wasn't casinos in, in Ohio. People would have to leave the state, go to Indiana, West Virginia, every every border state except Kentucky, I think. And I remember thinking, it's inevitable we're going to have casinos here. Why not just do it now? Eventually, they did. Same thing with legalized sports betting in Ohio. They're finally doing it. It was inevitable they were going to do it because every border state except Kentucky, I think, had it. Um, and I didn't even know Indiana had spring high school football. My goodness gracious. There's got to be a way to do it. And you touched on this. So another thing Mark Porter mentioned was, there's concerns out there from smaller schools in Ohio that if you have spring football, you're just going to nuke. Is that the way he used it? You're going to nuke the other spring sports. But I understand that that's a concern. But jo Jonah, as you hit on perfectly, don't make it mandatory. Um, you can still play on the baseball team or run track and still have some spring football. Um, I, I don't think it would nuke the spring sports. There's got to be a way to do it. There's just right. got to be they've got to find a plan and there's got there's got to be a way to do it. Here's, here's the thing that irks me, Dave. You're not the only state in America who has small schools right. that are participating like in Indiana. spring football. Yes. Like, I mean, if you look at some of those schools, uh, you know, what you consider small schools will be, you know, medium-sized schools in the state of Kentucky. Like, you're not, you're not special, you know, to say, hey, we have to – we have to deal with this difficulty. My thing is make it voluntary. If a quarterback and three of his wide receivers want to go out there and throw the football around in some type of uh, controlled environment, they should be able to do it. If they're not playing baseball, they're not running track, and that's what they want to do, they should have every opportunity to do it. If a kid from Ohio goes out to the Nike opening camp and wants to participate uh, full-blown to get a better evaluation, he should be allowed to do it. Ohio players aren't allowed to wear pads when they go out to the Nike opening camp when they're doing pass rushing drills. They're only allowed to wear a helmet because of Ohio rules. When some of these camps have full-blown camps to get a better evaluation of kids, Ohio kids, they can't wear pads. They can only wear their helmets, so they're not able to participate in a lot of these drills. So I think it's, I think it's archaic by the Ohio Af High School Athletic Association. 
Uh, I know there's a lot of smoke going around. Bobby Carpenter's been jumping on them. Something about uh, how they're not divvying up the money. They have millions of dollars sitting on their in their accounts right now, and schools aren't being uh, paid any type of shared revenue. I, I haven't really dove into it, but it sounds like they have a lot of issues on their plate right now, more so than just spring football. Bobby's been going after OSHA. Bobby would know. Bobby, I mean, yeah. his dad. His dad was the head coach at Lancaster for how long? Like forever. Yeah. And his dad was a former NFL player. We all know Bobby's credentials. Bobby would know. He's got sources everywhere, I'm sure, including like his dad. I mean, Urban Urban Meyer was big when he first came. Dave, you remember Urban said Ohio High School needs spring football, and he he even went and spoke to the to the Ohio High School um, Association and the coaching convention, and he laid out bullet point by bullet point by bullet point why it would truly benefit players in the state of Ohio if they had spring football coming from Florida at the time, he was saying, Hey, we can drive right down the road and get a great evaluation. Having Ohio high school football will open the door for more Ohio kids to head to Ohio state and get uh, those power five offers. If they were able to get more coaches on their campus to get a better look at them. Love hearing your perspective on it as a former high school football player yourself in the state of Ohio and a college football player at, the, at Ohio University. A um, couple more things I want to get to. Oh, speaking of defensive backs, Jay Book. Um, so Lathan Ransom, Ransom's playing pretty well this year. How well? Graded out as grading out as the number one safety in the country. Now, now we love looking at PFF grades when they are favorable to like Ohio State guys, but when it's like Alex Hornibrook is rated over Dwayne Haskins that in 2018, we're like, no, no. PFF sucks, but like when PFF ranks an Ohio State guy number one in the nation, I'm all about it. But seriously, Lathan Ransom is balling out, and the fact that he is grading out, according to PFF, as the number one safety in all of college football, that's awesome. I, I'm excited, Dave, and personally, I would like to see Lathan Ransom starting from here on out. I know Josh Proctor came back, and he battled to come back from that injury, but the way that Lathan Ransom is playing right now, let him – be the down-in, down-out starter, and let Josh Proctor come in and uh, give him a break when needed. I, I was saying this um, earlier this week, Dave. Lathan Ransom is playing on the level of Malik Hooker. And I'm not describing them because they're two totally different safeties. Malik was a ball-hawking type of safety. What I'm getting at is we haven't had an impact safety back there since Malik Hooker, where he's a difference maker. Once he's on the field, he's making plays all over the place. Um, they did it in different ways because me, Malik was a, a deep field safety that can go back out there and cover a lot of ground, and he would, he would jump routes. But the way that Latham impacts the game with his tackling and his toughness and knowing where to be and just getting guys lined up and his ability to get to point A to point B in a hurry and his versatility to be able to line up against a tight end or somebody in a slot and then having the ability to play back. That right there is a specialty. Um, and that's why I think if they let, if they really take the cuffs off him, give him that starter position full time, he has the potential to be an all big 10 type of safety back there. I love it. Yeah, he better be all Big Ten if he's the number one safety in the country. I know it's only halfway through the season and halfway through the regular season. It's PFF, but he better be first team all Big Ten. Um, yeah. All right. The bad news. No Ohio State game tomorrow. The good <laughs> news. Oh, what a slate of games. Penn State at Michigan. 
Alabama at Tennessee. Interestingly, the spread for both of those games is seven. Michigan favored by seven. Tennessee, seven-point dogs. Alabama favored by uh, seven. All right, who you got? Who you got straight up? Who you got against the spread tomorrow in these games? Give me Penn, give me Penn State straight up. I, I, I like Penn State going into uh, the Ann Arbor and getting the win. The only thing that concerns me is James Franklin – He's three and six coming off a bye. Uh, so they did have two weeks to prepare it. I don't understand how, why his record coming off a bye is so abysmal. But I just think that with Penn State's defense, those defensive backs, they are opportunistic. They will get their hands on the football. They're going to make J.J. McCarthy earn it. I don't think Penn State's um, – I don't think Penn State is going to have any problems getting after him. I saw Indiana's uh, defensive front really take it to Michigan for a while. You look at Blake Corum, he had one run that he he had for about 60 yards. And then after that, he had 24 carries for like 62 yards for the rest of the game. So Indiana did an excellent job bottling him up. Penn State will definitely bring uh, a more athletic front elite defensive back play from them. The the biggest wild card day to me is can Sean Clifford play in a moment? I mean, he's been there for so long. He's played in so many big games. Can he play within himself? Don't have the stupid turnovers. And if they're able to establish the run with that three-headed monster running back that they have, then I think Penn State should come out of there with a victory. Alabama at Tennessee. Love it. That's going to be a great game. I mean, Alabama has been on the ropes twice this year. When is when is the coin going to flip to the other side? They've they've gotten out of two games so far this year by the skin of their teeth. Tennessee, what do we have? I mean, they haven't played uh, the toughest schedules right now. Tennessee is, is uh, doing extremely well on offense with Hooker, the quarterback there. Their secondary uh, has been struggling, but they're stout up front. The big question going into that game is, will Bryce Young play? And if he does play, how healthy is he? Uh, Jalen Milrow, the quarterback for Alabama, he has major issues throwing to the outside. Even Bill O'Brien came out and said the kid can't throw. And Alabama fans were up in arms on their board saying, well, maybe our offensive coordinator shouldn't be telling other opposing coaches our quarterback can't throw. So you'll see you see a lot of uh, design run plays coming from him. But if you're able to stack the box, if Milrose in the game, then it definitely slows uh, Alabama down. I just think that the, the clock is going to strike 12 on Alabama in Tennessee. So I'm looking at Tennessee with the major victory. They're going to be smoking those cigars in Rocky Top. And then it's going to this is a, an excellent Saturday where it's going to be shake up Saturday day. We're going to get a lot out of this week to see who's for real and who's an actual contender. If Tennessee wins this game day, they're undefeated with a victory against Alabama. Do they jump to top three? Alabama will be Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, somewhere in that order if Tennessee can pull that off. I can't wait. And I just get to kick back and watch it all tomorrow. I don't have to work tomorrow. I, mean, I love covering Ohio State football, but having a bye week is nice. Just kicking back, watching these games, and they're spread out. Michigan, Penn State's early. Big noon yep. kickoff. I believe uh, Tennessee, Alabama is at 730. And then it, there's games in between. I'm just going to be watching football all day Saturday and then all day Sunday. I know you will be too, but you're in San Diego right now. Is that right? I'm in San Diego. The kids on fall break. So drove on over from Arizona, get to spend a little time on the beach. But I'll definitely be tuned into those games. Hey, before we before we get off here, yeah. what do you think about uh, Justin Fields and, and the way the Bears organization is handling him before we get off? You called it. You called it. I, I actually think he's getting too much flack. Like, he missed that easy touchdown pass. I get it. But, man, 
I think he's got Jay Book. I think he's got the worst offensive line in the NFL, and I think he's got the worst receiving core in the NFL. And that's not hyperbole. Like 32nd out of 32nd in both categories. Like imagine being a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, in the NFL with a terrible offensive line and terrible receivers. Now, Joe Burrow last year had the terrible offensive line, but he had world-class receivers. I'm not saying yeah. Justin Fields is going to be as good as Burrow. <laughs> I, I, I still like some of the things I'm seeing out of him. I love his toughness, the way he runs the ball. Um, but this is the type of thing that can shatter a kid's uh, confidence. Is This is a second year now. They're, they need to make sure that next year they – I don't know how they're going to do it in one offseason. I'm curious to get your thoughts. They need to get like three or four like legit wide receivers, and they need to get like three or four legit offensive linemen at least. And I don't know how you do that in one offseason. Yeah, I, I was joking last night, and I said Bears wide receiver one <laughs> will maybe be – wide receiver four at Ohio State. I would legit right <laughs> hey Dave, no kidding. I would take JSN, I would take Marvin Harrison, and I would take Emeka Abuka over any wide receiver that the Bears have. Like some of those after uh Mooney, the rest of those guys wouldn't even play at Ohio State right now. These are NFL guys that wouldn't even crack the starting lineup at Ohio State. Um, but I will say this about them. Justin definitely needs to get better. His, his, he definitely needs to get better when it comes to getting the ball out faster. But I, I worry about him, Dave. I mean, he is he is it going to be a David Carr uh, type of situation where he gets hit so much that he's out there seeing ghosts and he really can't play his game? Uh, he's taking an absolute beating out there. You look at him, the guy is wincing. Um, the ribs are, are beat up. You can tell once he took those hits. And the thing that really frustrates me, Dave, is – it's a square peg round hole situation when it comes to the bears. They do not have an offense that's tailored around the strengths of Justin Fields, boot them out, do a lot of the concepts that Ohio state was doing with Justin Fields um, because they're not giving him the best opportunity. I just don't know how he's going to be able to, to really pull it through in the end here. But I just think that once they get the, once they get some, some type of relief when it comes to the cap because they have like 70 some million dollars on the cap next year. Like you said, go get four wide receivers, um, go get um, an entire offensive line. Maybe five offensive line, right? <laughs> yeah. My, my only thing is if the Bears keep losing, do they say, hey, we're going to go and get our own quarterback? Because obviously they're not doing anything to help this kid. Would they turn around and go get CJ Stroud? If they have the first two picks, maybe that's the way to do it. If they have the number, well, I don't know if they have the number one, but let's say they do somehow get the number one overall pick. Maybe that's the way. If they believe in Justin Fields, maybe that's the way you turn it over in one offseason. You trade the number one pick for, you know, a boatload of other picks that you can load up on offensive linemen, use all of your cap space on offensive linemen, uh, but they need wide receivers too. It's a, yeah, it's a mess. I hope they don't, I hope they don't completely ruin the kid's confidence. He's, he's a confident kid. He's tough as nails, so I, I still believe in him. But yeah, you're right. There is reason for concern, big time. I mean, I, I watched that Minnesota. I watched that Minnesota game last week, and Justin looked good. He was doing some really good things out there. I mean, he broke off like a 60 yard run to the house, and the wide receiver um, who continues to drop and make dumb plays got a, a clipping play that got it called back. But he he does some great things. I just think that he has to be able to play his game and. He doesn't look like the Justin Fields that we saw at a Hall State, David. I have a, 
I worry about the kid that his confidence is starting to get a little little bruised out there. I mean, when when you don't really have confidence in your wide receivers and you know that you have the worst offensive line in college football, it's hard to put on your bootstraps, even though you're getting paid millions of dollars to go out there and say, hey, I'm signing up to go take a beating again when my offensive line is atrocious. And he's not going to go out there and throw those uh, guys, teammates under the bus. But at the end of the day, man, he, he can only do so much when you have the 32nd ranked wide receiver group and the 32nd ranked offensive line. And they still would have won the game if Mooney doesn't drop that touchdown pass uh, in the waning moments after that great 30-yard run by Fields. Like that, he was so explosive on that run. And he's banged up, as you said. And then right. they still would have won the game despite all of that if, if Mooney just would have caught the pass. I think there were like six or seven drops by Bears receivers in that game. Unbelievable. Yep. Um, I tell you what is believable is Jonah Booker coming strong every week. I appreciate it, my man. He is Jay Book. Uh, living large in San Diego at the beach. Go enjoy the beach. Um, I appreciate you getting up early and, and joining me while you're on vacation. He is Jonah Booker. Uh, thank you to Jay Book. Thanks to all of you for tuning into the show. We appreciate it very much. Enjoy the games tomorrow, Bucknutters. <laughs>